Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 8, Episode 6 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Charity Begins at Home. Our IMDb user synopsis is, Weeks after the September 11 attack, Eric asks his parishioners to do something good for someone else. Use their own special talent to, get, to help someone who is in need. Eric has to find his own way of giving to others. Not weeks. It's years. <laughs> years. It's like two and a half years after. Oh, God. Uh, so what was your first impression? Um, uh, just uh, very quickly, um, we didn't mention in this in the last episode because it was so short and also because we had nothing to say about it. Um, that was the last episode that David Gallagher is in for... A bit. As a regular regular. until, like, season 10. But Simon is now gone to college, so I guess... Goodbye. Goodbye. But, okay, my first impression of this episode... um, um, I guess it was kind of, like, a back-to-basics kind of thing, with, like, each character kind of getting their own thing happening, and all of them doing this, like, I want to help someone. Um, I don't know. It was... There's no one I care about on this show anymore. <laughs> it's just sad. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I mean, Roxy and Chandler had a whole thing happening. I don't care about them. Annie is gone a lot because she's looking after Grandpa Jackson. Um, I really think that that's a plot point that they need to wrap up quite quickly. I mean, unless Catherine Jackson is, like, truly busy... But she's, like, in every other scene on the phone. So it's not like, you know, right. she's away. Um, I don't know. And this is, like, the beginning. You mentioned this when we were watching it. But it's kind of the beginning of how Carlos is the Mary stand-in. Yeah, it's very annoying because, like like I said, at a certain point in the future when Mary is supposed to be, like, delivering her baby, they do this all over the phone with Carlos. And it's like, he's like, okay, she's, you know, she's in the hospital. Like, I'm in the hallway of the hospital, but she's in the room giving birth. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway. And uh, Carlos is someone I don't really like. Like, I'm not really invested in. He's no Robbie. He is no That's true. He's no Robbie. Um... And again, we have, just like uh, about two episodes ago, we have this, like, slight issue episode that gets shoehorned in very last minute in the last two minutes of the show. Right. And, uh, again, something that they could have, like, done. It also seems repetitive, I feel like. But, anyway, I guess we can get started with the cold open, um, which takes place at the church. It's a Sunday, and the Rev is giving a um, sermon about the state of the world today. It was very interesting. <laughs> it is. This was not weeks after yeah. September 11, as the user of you said either. This is supposed to be, like, what, Octo- like, almost a, two years later? It's, like, yeah. October, November, November of 2003. Yeah. Um, and apparently, after reading all the news lately, and there's kind of, like, callbacks onto things that happen. It's, like, re- like it's... It's kind of this like time capsule because it's things that happened around 2003. So stock market, um, all like the big companies kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like Enron and all that stuff. I think that was 2004, but it may be 2003, maybe late 2003. Maybe that's when it started like. Yeah. Unraveling. Yeah. Um, obviously the wars that, that, that were happening, the like racial tension in, uh, the U S except like all the terrorist attacks happening all of the time. Um, so 
because of that, the Rev has given everybody in Glen Oak an assignment to take a talent that they have and use it for somebody else. And that kind of motivates the rest of the episode. Which, yeah, in a, in a poor way. Yeah. So, um, well, first, I guess we can kind of just jump into um, Carlos's little bit. He doesn't really have his, like, project or whatever. He doesn't have one because he wasn't at church and he's, like, not taking... <laughs> anyway, uh, Carlos comes into the episode because the Rev calls him and is like, he assumes that he's looking for Mary. He's not looking for Mary. He wants to talk to Carlos. And apparently we learn, we later see Carlos at the airport. He's like waffling back and forth whether or not he's going to get on a flight. We still don't know where this flight is to. Then we see... We do, we do. Oh, okay. Um, Because in that phone call, the Rev basically says, use Mary's miles or tickets or her access to... To JetBlue. Yeah. Um, to come here, I need. I want to have dinner with you. I need to speak to you face-to-face about something. Just just for dinner. Just come to California for dinner. Um, so, yeah, that's why he's, like, waffling at the airport, because... He, he's afraid. Know, yeah. Um, so he, we, we have more of this being afraid when Kevin goes to pick him up at the airport, and they're kind of, like, stopped outside the house, but he won't leave the car. And he sees the Rev coming in, like, the Rev's car, like, parking. And then he tells, like, Kevin to drive and to go. Uh, And I think that's supposed to be funny, but it's really not. Um, Eventually, I guess, he makes his way back to the Camden house because they're next in the love den having a heart-to-heart. So basically, it's just that the Rev wants to welcome Carlos into the family. Yeah, it's... Like, that's it. Super nonsensical that he made him fly there. Basically, he's like, I have a weird relationship with my daughter, uh, with Mary, and I know Mary's kind of estranged from us, but I don't want that for you. Um, So, like, please know that you can have a relationship with us. Carlos at one point thinks that the Rev's trying to convert him. He's like, I'm Catholic and I won't change. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, I guess it's nice, but it also is very unnecessary. They could have just done that in a phone call. That's it. They could have just done that over a phone. I don't think it needed to be done at all. I mean, I get why they did it. Yeah, because Carlos is still kind of essentially a stranger. We met like we met mm-hmm. him once before, and now he's just like, "Hi, I'm mar- married to Mary." And the future like father of your grandchildren. But like, I get it. But they could have l- easily done that over the phone. It's kind of like I, I don't know. I feel like so the crux of this show, which is, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to realize it's untrue, is that, like, it's supposed to be realistic a little no. bit. And it's not. It's, it's not. A- it's not realistic. You're right. Um, I was going to say, like, this flying back and forth bullshit is, like... The, the They're thi- constantly flying back and forth. And, like, f- especially for a family that, like, discredits Mary and Mary's profession on, like, a, the daily, they use Mary and her profession all of the time to fly literally anywhere, well, not anywhere, yeah. to California and to New York over and over again. Yeah. That's annoying. But that's it. Bye, Carlos. Bye. Um, so the next person we want to talk about is uh, Lucy and Kevin. Yeah, so um, Kevin decides that his project is going to be starting, be- like, teaching kind of starting like a neighborhood watch type thing. He wants to get the neighbors together and teach them different like self-defense things and like basically like staying smart, you know, street smarts and safety. Um, And he tells Lucy about this and he's like, oh, I think it's great because we can work on this together. I can teach all of the 
the like she, he was like you have the relationship with the neighbors and I could teach all of these self-defense strategies and stuff and it'll be great we'll work on it together you always say we need to do stuff together um it turns out that Lucy wants none of it yes and um she like doesn't show up to a meeting with detective Michaels um which is like not good <laughs> like you shouldn't just stand people up without telling them you're not coming places and then finally um like we have we have what's supposed to be this funny scene where a bunch of people end up at the Rev's office in the church being like I need your help and one of them is Lucy and um she basically she goes up to um Kevin at the end of the episode and says I don't want to do the neighborhood watch or the crime watch thing with you I want to go back to my roots. I want to do Habitat for Humanity again. Which she did for, like, one episode. And she made fun of the girls who were doing it, if you recall. Yeah. So, uh, she... That's... And we, like, end the episode with both of them getting ready for their, like, respective, like, talent days. Like, she's wearing overalls, and, and Kevin gives her a hammer and kisses her. And it's all supposed to be very romantic, but... Mm. Um... We'll talk about the next, uh, like, in, like, conjunction with that is Roxanne and Chandler. Chandler. Who are still, so, um, Chandler, um, decides, uh, he, I don't even know what, I don't even pay attention to them, because when they're not interacting with the Camdens, I don't care, but Chandler ends up going to some charity, some at-risk youth sort of charity, that apparently him and, he meets, like, the peer counselor there or whatever and he's yeah and he talks about how he's like oh my ex-girlfriend and I used to talk about coming here and volunteering but you know but we we broke up before we ever got around to doing it together so I'm here now because there's like this project at my church and I want to do this so they take him into like the volunteer room and who's there but Roxanne and she gets all pissy and she's like I can't believe you followed me because she left a note for the Rev Rev Cam letting him know where she would be doing her project. Um, and she thinks that Chandler is stalking her, which so, he kind of is. Right. So a couple of issues I have with this storyline is, first of all, Roxy's still at church. Like, Roxanne is still going to church. And she made it, like, very obvious that the only reason she was going to church was to get uh, Chandler. And now she's staying there. So I guess unless she, like, I guess maybe she's had a change of heart. And Chandler's kind of like you can't come back to church anymore. It's weird for me. And Roxanne's like, you can't tell me not to do that. And they're doing this weird, weird thing where they're like, you're still in love with me. No, you're still in love with me. But it's like literally a couple of episodes ago, Chandler was making out with like four different women. <laughs> like, yeah. so what, what is happening? Like she, he was like apparently moving on and she very clearly said she doesn't want to marry him. So why, like, I don't really get that. Like, why are they rehashing this or re- revisiting it? And this kind of, like, you're still in love with me kind of thing continues. But then Roxanne makes up this lie that she's actually dating Paul, which is the uh, the guy that's in charge of the at-risk teen charity. And Roxanne, uh, and, like, Chandler takes this absolute wrong way. And he's like, and he's like I care because I still love you. And he kind of marches out. And he comes back later with pizza, um, to see her and he's like what do you want to do and she goes the same thing you want to do and they're kissing and I think we're supposed to gather that they have sex or something I because mean, Roxanne very like she she doesn't care she throws the book she's reading on the we see a close up of the book on the floor right she just 
they they were out of control. And Chandler, for some reason, thinks like they're getting back together now. And Roxanne makes it really clear. She's like, no, we. this is just us, like, having fun together. And Chandler's like, what about Paul? And she's like, you are not in charge of me. We're not together anymore. I'm going to go out with Paul if I want to. Yeah. And I think this is maybe, like, hopefully the end of this um, thing. Like, I guess, I guess this is the equivalent of, what, like, breakup sex? I guess. I mean. Like, they're just, like, having fun still. But I think Chandler wanted it to be more. Right. Which is, like, such a reverse of what it was about two, three episodes ago. Well, wasn't it like he was, like, breaking up with her, but he really, she was really breaking up with him? Right. But then she was the one acting like it, like she was going through a breakup, but he was the one being like, oh, I'm moving on. Well, maybe he was just doing that because he just was hiding his feelings. I guess. I don't know. Again, yeah. I feel like they don't. Like, what is Chandler about? What is his story? Like, what? Like, who is he? Like, I get Roxanne, right? Yeah. Roxanne is, like, a, a, a woman in, like, a male-dominated workforce trying to make it, right? And But she's also, like, not Lucy. She is, she enjoys sex. She enjoys, like, men. She goes, like, she doesn't want to get married. She's not your traditional, like, woman, blah, 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 blah. But who is Chandler? I don't know. Th- that, that's what I mean. I We've been. Yeah, with we him. don't know. Like he's just like his his uh, his motivations are unclear. Like what drives him as a character. Like we have never been really exposed to any of like Chandler's deep like wants or you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, like, like, yeah, and or like it's just like I'm. No- I can usually predict. I feel like it's good when you can usually predict what a character is going to do because that means like they've written the character well enough that you get them. Right? Yeah. I n- never know what Chandler's going to do or why he's in a scene. <laughs> Mostly I don't know why he's on the screen. That's because the rev is back and there's no reason for him to be there. So enough about them. Um, let's talk about this weird thing that's happening. Well, there's a stand-in for Simon now. <laughs> yeah. Um, this weird thing that's happening with Cecilia and the rev and, and Annie. Annie. The f- so Annie, as we said, Annie's gone again. She is visiting Grandpa Jackson, whose a- Alzheimer's is getting worse. Um, I wonder if they're just setting up eventual death. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, they have to. He's not coming back. Yeah. Um, the actor who plays his character um, passed, passed away. away. Yeah. So cecilia is back to like kind of babysitting and they already kind of set this up earlier in the season with cecilia being somebody the twins really love um they're like basically they're like oh we love cecilia we want cecilia cecilia is way better than mom and this kind of like plays up again but this time we're seeing that annie is a little irate about it because she's like Oh, I need to talk to my, like, she's just on the phone the whole time because she's supposed to be visiting grandpa. Um, but she's like annoyed because every time she calls, Cecilia is out doing something fun with the kids and she feels like, I don't know, she's losing, losing the kids to Cecilia. Um, and she doesn't like that because she's there. I don't know. She's very much like, I'm their mother. I'll take care of them. You get out of my life. And so, uh, Obviously, Cecilia takes this like takes this really hard immediately. So she's like, "Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'll make yeah. sure the twins are with somebody else." But I'm out. Yeah. And this 
but immediately like gets resolved. I wish they had made it made it like maybe kept it until the end of the episode. But almost like the very next scene is Annie showing up at Cecilia's house. Yes, and in Cecilia's bedroom no less. Remember Annie was in Phoenix hours ago. And she just did the first place she went when she came back was to Cecilia's house. And she's like she apologizes and she says like, "Oh, well, it's clear that, you know, she's like, my my father is deteriorating and it's clear that the twins like you and you like being around the twins and you miss Simon and you just want to be in our house and that's not weird at all. Um, so Annie's like, maybe this can work out where you can be like the caretaker of the twins. And she says, or Annie's like, you're just a godsend or something like, like that, right? And yeah. then like Cecilia laughs and is like, oh, the Rev said the same thing. So anyway. So anyway, you're just trying to allude to the fact that the, you think they're going to have a threesome. Well, yeah. Um, they're just going to invite her into their marriage. That's what's happening. It's, it's, I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. They're like, you can be the third parent now. Yeah, she like she volunteers to go to Arizona with with um, with Annie. She's like, anytime you're leaving, if you want to take the twins with you, if you don't want to take the twins with you, if I, you want to take me with you. She's their little sugar baby. Yeah, and I mean, it is, I mean, I... Like, that dynamic is just so weird to, like, have a younger woman replace an older woman taking care of, like, the nanny, like, Or just story. have, like, Cecilia replacing Simon. That also, like, mm, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Martin, sadly, was not in this episode. Um, so the last thing we're going to talk about is Ruthie's storyline, which may be the main storyline, but I don't really think there was a main storyline in this episode. No. What was the title even? Charity Begins at Home? Yeah, it was all about the projects. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so Ruthie is like, I know what I'm going to do for my project. I'm going to befriend a new girl at school um, because I'm good at being a friend. So that's... I, f- I find that really odd, though, because nobody in the Camdens has be- been able to retain a friendship other than Matt ever. and John, but then John has never been spoken of ever again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so this also, like, Ruthie has two things going on, really. This kind of, like, pursuit of Jill. And this, like, growing tension with Peter. Um, again, seems to be left, like, something that's left over from, not the last episode, but the episode before that, with the coal mining project. But she seems really fed up with him, and, like, not okay with him being around at all. And it's kind of come out of the blue, but I get it. It makes sense. He is around all the time. Yeah. Like, it used to be a joke where, like, they'd be like, oh, he's staying for dinner, or he's always, like, at the house, or she's always hanging out with him. But um, it does make sense. Like, R- Ruthie's... I mean, Ruthie broke up with her other boyfriend because he was, like, too clingy, so... Yeah, she's just... She likes to keep her distance. Um, so she's like, you should not stay for dinner as often. Maybe we shouldn't eat lunch together anymore. Like, let's keep a distance from each other if we want this relationship to last. Um, so Ruthie tries to speak to Jill and Jill very like knowingly is like, you never tried talking to me before. She's like, I've been here for months. <laughs> so I don't know why you're talking to me now. And she's like, you're weird. I don't like kids. Um, I'm not going to sit with you. And also that weird kid and that weird, like, she, she's, she's, she gestures to Pete. Peter is, like, staring at them, and she's like, also, the kid's freaking me out, so no. Yeah, Peter was being creepy in that scene. 
Yes. Uh, Ruthie then makes the decision to show up at Jill's apartment, which, okay, listeners, if you did not know this, don't show up at people's places when they tell you specifically to leave them alone. Well, yeah. <laughs> that could be considered harassment or stalking or any uh, number of bad things. Yeah. Also, it's just like, she doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah, like... Come on, man. 2018, <laughs> where people just don't talk to other people. I'm not talking to anyone. Just leave us alone. Um, so Ruthie is lit- legitimately camped out of this, like, outside of this girl's apartment, like, the door of the apartment, when um, a man shows up. We find out later that this man is Mo Dupree, and he is uh, Jill's father. Um, he basically alludes to the fact that, um, Jill got bullied in her old school and, like, I don't know, she keeps her distance now from people, like, uh, so he's like, but I'm not going to tell you why she got bullied. That's, that's up to her. So the next day in school, Ruthie is still trying to pursue Jill and she sees her and, um, I don't know, Jill is like, well, you don't understand I used to get bullied because I'm Muslim and like, you're going to, now that you know, you're, you're going to do the same thing. And what is your family going to think when they find out that I'm Muslim? And what about, what about your other friends? What are they going to think? And Ruthie's just like, I don't care. I have other Muslim friends. Yeah. She like, uh, Jill makes a really big speech about how ever since nine 11, um, uh, Muslims have it really hard and, um, everybody hates Muslims now and it's really difficult for her and her family. Kind of like a repeat of things that happened with Yasmin, mm-hmm. but like on a much more minuscule scale because they literally spend a minute on this. And Ruthie's are like Ruthie's like, it's fine. Get to know me. Uh or no, let me get a chance to know you. So and then so we have this kind of strange scene where these other girls show up these friends of Ruthie we've never seen before, first of all. And they don't look like people that Ruthie would be friends with. Absolutely not. Um, and three, there's, there are three girls, and they're like, are we walking to lunch or what? Now, mind you, like, apparently these girls all sit together for lunch. Apparently. But Ruthie, before, was only sitting with Peter. And now, like, where do they come from? Where did this friendship come from? Um... Why doesn't this show... Convenience for Seventh Heaven? Why doesn't this show just do simple, like, writing techniques and, like, continue, like continuity? Come on. And it's so frustrating. This is so simple. It's not even like an episode is different. That's like, it's within, like, five minutes of each other. Yeah. Um, so they're like, are you coming? And Jill starts to walk away because she's like, oh, I can't be with these people. And Ruthie, like, stops her and is like, this is Jill. Meet my other friends. Emma, Lauren, and... <laughs> something else whatever yeah. these strangers that were just introduced just so that the, we could see how tolerant these girls are and then they like walk off together and then this episode has a montage montage it's supposed to be to winona judd's um it's a song oh damn i can't remember what the song was but it's not that song it's like what the world needs now is yeah, love and uh instead it's like this i guess not copyright track yeah that like keeps on singing about a happily ever after it just doesn't it didn't really fit yeah especially because the montage was like um annie and cecilia doing laundry the girls all walking to lunch oh no Uh, people um peter ruthie and jill playing monopoly (laughs) 
No, it wasn't Monopoly. It was Wait, like thought... it was like Life or something. Oh, was it Life? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Monopoly for some reason. They were like spinning the wheel. That's um anyway, there's trouble in paradise for Peter and Ruthie. Yeah. Yeah, there's so He's too clingy. There was something interesting that I thought about this episode, which I don't know if they did it on purpose, but Ruthie says that like Peter she can't be Peter's project. Um, which I, it's a good right like, on, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. But, but then that, Peter makes a good point. Yeah, because Ruth, the Jill, she's making Jill her project, so I don't get what the like. I don't know. I it's weird because usually I feel like with Ruthie, she's right, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like in this situation, she's not completely right because she is making Jill her project, and then Peter's like, "Well, everybody needs help," and Ruthie is very adamant about the fact that she doesn't need help, but. I do sometimes feel like Ruthie needs help. Ruthie does need help. Right? Like, Ruthie's not invincible. I don't know if Peter's the one to, to give it, though. It's really interesting. As soon as, like, Martin showed up, you were, you were, you were like, completely changed your tune. Because right before Martin showed up, you were like, I actually really like Peter. <laughs> I do like Peter. So. I think he's, but, you know, he's not taking the hints that Ruthie has given him about his behavior. He's just, I feel like he's just good. And I guess maybe Ruthie needs something that's more than just... Maybe she needs a little excitement in her life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That's where we're at. So I feel like this was just kind of like a, a reset like of where we're at. After that horrible episode where it was just a, like a retrospective. Yeah. I think they're setting up like new relationships... Um, they're setting up new dynamics. We have, like, Annie and Rev and Cecilia. We have... I don't know. I don't know if any of this is going to, like, make a difference, like, going forward for season eight. Or if it's just another episode that means nothing. I think it's just another episode that means nothing. Um, so what would you rate it? I'm going to give this, uh, three out of seven. Yeah. I'm giving this a 2.5. Yeah, it was not that good. It really wasn't. You can really feel the loss of... More Martin. Yeah, you can really feel... Less Chandler. You can really, really feel the loss of, like, all the characters that are gone now. Especially because you're the stand-ins. Carlos is no replacement for Mary. Matt's completely gone. And, like, we like Cecilia. I like Cecilia, yeah. But, like, I feel like Simon was kind of the crux of the show. Like, the... The lo- but we were just talking about how his high school years were pretty much just, like, glossed over. But I mean, and from he wasn't really developed. But from the beginning, I'd say, like, this is the first episode, right, is about him wanting a dog. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the person we've watched grow the most... Is Simon. I mean, obviously Ruthie will take up that mantle. But I feel like, you know, Simon's the one that's gone through the most, like, character development. Lucy was... Lucy's been Lucy from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And Mary, they just, like, butchered her. Yeah. But and Matt's been Matt, but like right. Simon grew. Yes, I see what you're saying. Okay, so uh, you can check us out on various platforms. We are on Twitter and Instagram, and our handle is at Camden Cast Show. We are on Facebook, and that's just Camden Cast. Uh, and you can listen to new episodes that we release on Wednesdays and Saturdays through Stitcher, SoundCloud.com/slash Camden Cast, and the iTunes Apple Podcast app. I'm Tanby. I'm Aaron. And this is Camden Cast. <laughs>